hey, stop listening to all the external voices and start figuring out what's the way for you. Yes, stillness can mean different things to different people. And I try very hard in the book to direct people back to themselves. I always say, this is the way I did it. This really worked for me. You may have a different way. I am not a guru. This is episode number 126 of The Inspiring Talk with Author Jesse Kenzo. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Bizeg Gautam. I'm your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. What if I told you doing nothing is an art? And if you master the art of doing nothing, it can offer you wisdom, healing and grounding. And possibly this can be the most productive thing that you have done in a while. This is a concept from the ancient Chinese text, Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching offers wisdom on how to live in the world with goodness and integrity. So I have heard a lot of people talk about the wisdom of this text and how the timeless principles helped them live their life better. In today's episode, I get in conversation with someone who has not only studied the principles of Tao Te Ching, but also transformed her own life with the principles and ended up writing a book on it. My guest, Jesse Kenja, is an author, actor and former reporter. Her work has appeared in Washington Post, New York Times, Huffington Post, among others. We discuss dealing with people-pleasing tendencies, the true definition of love, how to deal with perfectionism, and the power of doing nothing. There's a lot of wisdom that you can pick from this episode, so let's get started. Jesse, thank you so much for being at the show. Welcome to the Inspiring Talk podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Jesse, I want to get straight into this. So as I was, you know, sharing with you offline, I have heard a lot about the Tao principles, Tao Te Ching, which translates to the way of living. I've heard about this uh, from several people, but I have never myself gotten to explore more about it or go, you know, deep into it. And as they say, the information that you in, the, in life comes to you at the right point of time, like at, at the moment when you need it, right? And I think my introduction right. when the to... student uh, is ready, the teacher appears, right? <laughs> yeah, when student is re uh, ready, the teacher appears. And I think that's how I got introduced to this principle in a way that where I started paying more attention. And then I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of wisdom here. I need to get in depth of it through your book. So um, tell us more about what this text is all about, Tao Te Ching. What is this? And what's your introduction to it? So the Tao Te Ching, it comes from 6th century BC, China, long time ago. And what I found so amazing about it, it's a little text. You know, I, I know we're on audio, but this is the, it's a small book, 81 verses, 81 short little, you could think of them as poems or kind of quotations, 81 thoughts on living. And I find it so relevant today. It's amazing to me. Uh, it's said to have been written by 
someone named Lao Tzu, which just translates as the old guy. Many scholars think it's actually was an amalgam of perhaps people or a different different texts that were put into one. We don't really know, like like with anything that comes forever ago, we have our ideas where it comes from. But what I realized is it is just as relevant. So I discovered it in my youth, which was a difficult time for me. And I keep rediscovering it. I had children. I kept going back to it. And what I keep realizing is it is very useful today. And that's why I wrote about it. And so the Tao, for me, my discovery was from a very hard place in my life. Uh, I was an immigrant in the United States. I was born in the Soviet Union. It took a lot of time to, for us to get to New York, which is where I ended up. And I was struggling with identity, which all immigrants and actually actually all deep people do really, all, all sensitive people do. So I was struggling with my identity. Who was I? What was I trying to be in the world? I ended up with an eating disorder because I was very influenced by uh, societal perfection around me or at least kind of the advertisements and the TV shows, et cetera, that showed you the way a woman should be. And so I was affected by that. And I was dealing with depression and anxiety. And at the very bottom, like literally on the bathroom floor, doing things that are not good for me because I was dealing with bulimia, I was so broken. I had also gotten into a major car accident after college. And so my body was broken. I was broken emotionally. I My psychological state wasn't great. And this is what I tell people now. Often we realize sometimes we at the bottom is where we realize that, hey, we can do better or life can be better. So for me, I had this major realization in this moment of real bottom where I realized this is a bottom from which I'm yet to rise. And so I sought anything that could help me. And I, like you, I was in the spiritual, I was a spiritual searcher always. And I had tons of books and I reached for this little book that was the Tao. And I began reading it and reading its simple concepts. And the concepts are very much based on simplicity. Let us simplify our life. Let us find stillness. Thus, don't just sit there, do nothing. It's this idea of Hey, can we get still? Can we get still even in the most hard moments of our life? Can we get still and maybe connect with something deeper than ourselves or our deeper selves is the other way to look at it. Can we connect with the reason maybe behind our struggles or the lessons that come from it? So I started to get still. Now, for me, I couldn't deal with stillness back then. This was part of the reason I had a disorder, which was a binging purging disorder. I didn't know how to sit still. So I used food. Uh, I used other things too. We all we all use something when we're running away from ourselves. And the simplicity of the Tao really spoke to me. So I would take walks and meditate on the particular verse that I read that day and see how I could do that. Because the Tao tells us, simplify what you have, simplify what you want, find stillness. And so I just kept trying to do that. And step by step, that's another great quote. I, I think you will know this quote. I think people know this quote. They just don't realize it comes from the Tao Te Ching. This quote is, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody, everybody has heard that. Yeah. Right? We know that. So just step by step, I began walking myself to my own healing, my own wholeness. And so here we are today. 
many years later. Yeah, when you're saying stillness, you I'm sure you are not just uh, you know talking about meditation because you know now often people kind of confuse uh, stillness or being slowing down or just taking a moment or taking a pause necessarily you know mean meditation right so and also when i was going through your book you not only when it comes to you know stillness but also when it comes to other aspects of life as well you i i see that you know often you know you en- encourage people to find their own definitions for different things right um so what does stillness mean to you is it meditation or maybe some people can find that in painting or maybe somebody in creating music I love that you said that because so the Tao translates as the way, but everyone must find their own way. What I love about it, and listen, we all come from different religions and different walks of life, but what I love about the Tao, it doesn't ask anything of you. It just says, hey, stop listening to all the external voices and start figuring out what's the way for you. So I love that you said it because yes, stillness can mean different things to different people. And I try very hard in the book to direct people back to themselves. I always say, this is the way I did it. This really worked for me. You may have a different way. I am not a guru. I am just a person who went from a bottom to a life where I'm really content and really happy. And nobody's happy 100% of the time and I'm still human, but I really figured it out for myself. And I know that some of the things I struggle to can help people figure it out for themselves. But yes, it's for themselves. So I love meditation personally. I do. I'm not a religious meditator in that it's not daily. It's not, oh, but I've got more as I go on with life. I'm 40 now. And I find that I need it more and more uh, to ground myself amidst the busyness of family life and career and all of that. However, like stillness for a busy person who's, whose schedule is packed, it can mean hitting pause, hitting the do not disturb on your computer and sitting there for five minutes, breathing deeply, breathing and looking out the window. Maybe you watch a tree move with the wind and you relax and you understand that the way the tree goes with the flow, you too can find that flow within yourself. You can look up at the sky and perhaps feel that expansiveness within yourself. I think nature is super healing for us and we don't get out in it as much as maybe we could. And even if it's just looking out the window and connecting with nature that way, those few moments of stillness, I consider that do nothing moment. So I, I, I joke with people and there's people that are far busier than I am. I know that for my life to work, I need chillness in there. Some people are very packed and I always say schedule on schedule on schedule time. It could be like, really, like, I'm serious, 10 minutes in the middle of the day with capital letters, do nothing. And you figure out how to find that stillness. Journaling is great. Maybe you have a lot of stuff in your head and you just need to get it out. You journal. You could talk into your memo, uh, the, the, the app in your phone, right? You can record yourself. You could do anything that helps you return back to center and find your way. And what I would do if I'm just getting on this journey, I would try a lot of things. I would try journaling. I would try meditation and you know, like on YouTube, you search meditation, you search, you say five minutes meditation, you find five minutes, you say 10, you can find so many options. I would try sitting with just music and listening. I would try looking out the window or taking a walk in nature that really helps me. So there's so many ways you can try doing nothing. And so the Tao, by the way, teaches us that 
being and not being support each other. So doing and not doing need to exist together. So taking those breaks gets you back into the doing world with a more clear, with a clearer mind. And I, I love when I read, you know, uh, about the being and not being as a concept, right? So, uh, so it, w- it was a really, you know, uh, beautiful concept to uh, explore because it's always that, right? It, it can't be one constant state all the time. It's like, you know, it's being and then it's not, not being, right? And also the example that you give uh, of your daughter saying that, uh, you know, I love my sister and I not love you. Right. So it, it's not the constant state of like loving, loving, right. It's all also that, you know, we don't love, you know, so. Totally, totally. And it's by the way, true years later, this was when the little sister was first born, but you know, now they're more in the love spectrum, <laughs> but as we know, anyone we're very close in a relationship with, we still have moments of not loving them. Yeah. And also like, you know, as you said, right. So I love my husband, but still I need that space. I think love and marriage are portrayed a certain way. We all love the love stories in the movies and reality of life is more complex. There's not, it's not one thing. And I think that for us to live more holy and by holy, I'm saying with a W H O like whole, like as in whole beings, I think we need to accept the shadow parts of ourselves too. Like, yes, I love being married and I love my family, but there are parts of me that like, when do I get a day to myself? When do I get the quiet, you know, and we're all like that, please. Like we're all, you live with someone long enough. Of course, they're going to get on your nerves. That's just part of real life. And I think the more we accept the reality of the being, the not being, the duality, right? We spoke of the duality right before we started. The more we accept that, the easier it is to go with life You don't think, so I'm in my midlife kind of section right now where people are having midlife crises around me, you know, and I live in a suburb and there are divorces happening. Also with the pandemic, I think a lot of people were stuck together for a very long time. And so this is just a very big reality of my life now. And I see it. And I wonder if we accepted that love was not a forever after euphoria if it would be easier to ride with the ups and downs of a relationship any relationship so when we set ourselves up for the happily ever after and life is more complex than that i think many people might get disappointed it's very healthy to balance ourselves and to understand by the way the Tao Te ching also constantly in a lot of the verses talks about balance finding balance seeking balance and that's what i try to do in my life as well and and I encourage other people to do. And I'm so glad that we, you know, we are talking about this because oftentimes, um, you know, about anything, we think that it's, it's just like one thing that can exist, right? And we can see that, hey, you know what? I can only be one thing. They can't be, you know, and then it's very difficult for us to accept the duality nature of us. Right? We, and as I was saying earlier, when we were having this offline conversation is we are a bit biased toward one side and the other thing, like we completely disown saying that, hey, that can't be me because, um, you know, that's not what we want to be. But uh, as you said, there's both part of it, right? So we do have both part of it and we got to own both sides of the coin that we have. And I think, uh, and also finding that balance makes our life much, much easier. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And by the way, there's a verse. I just remembered there's one. The Tao Te Ching also is it's so old and it has so many different translations. And so sometimes you get like a really beautiful translation of one verse. But so you may pick up your Tao Te Ching and it may look different from mine. That's what I just wanted to let people know if you're interested. Or maybe you pick up Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing and get your introduction to the Tao. <laughs> but there's a beautiful line in there that says, there's no black and white, just a, there's no light and darkness, just a dance of shadows. And I thought that was so beautiful because we tend to divide things into bad, good, as an example, light, darkness, right? And the Tao's telling us all of life is just a dance of shadows. It's not either or. Um, and you were right when you say, that's not me, when people think, that's not me, that couldn't be me. And actually, when we are really triggered by something in other people, that's probably part of ourselves we're not, we're denying. And I'm not saying, look, there are people that do horrible things in the world for sure. And when we see that, we could be really triggered by that. But maybe we're denying our own biases that we live with because we're human and we also, you know, we're, we're imperfect. Maybe we have biases. You know, there's, I try very hard these days to, not operate from my judgment. I can't say I don't judge and I have no judgment. Of course I do. Of course we all do. And that's okay. No matter how spiritual you get, you have judgment. But I try to see myself. So there's us, the human being, and there's us, there's a higher being. There's the observer inside us. And you watch your human self and you watch how childish your human self can be, how much it can judge even a friend or a spouse or even your children. Like, you can watch that little voice inside that really is scared by the idea of duality. It wants one thing. But, and the interesting thing is that in reality, there is no duality. There's just oneness. We're all just one. But in the human world of things, the doubt often talks about 10,000 things. Like we end up in the world with lots of things and lots of division. But if you really go back to the energetic part of it all, yeah, there's all one, just a dance of shadows. And so, we could spend, right? We could spend days talking about this concept of oneness duality, oneness duality. It's complicated, let's just say. This is very beautiful. And Jesse, I'm, 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 I'm just loving this conversation. And I love how the way you, you know, just mentioned this term, which is human self and higher self. And, you know, it, it got me all of a sudden thinking that when we are a lot into our human self, where we are, you know, maybe doubting ourselves or maybe you know, maybe passing in judgment. So when we are a bit angry on someone else and then, and then, you know, your higher self kind of intervenes and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you know what? Is that what you really want to do? And and I think that's, that's where it kind of, it, it comes from always the tug between your human and higher self, right? So one kind of complements each other at the same time. Also one kind of intervenes into the other being of you, right? So that that's just beautiful. I'm, I, you know, that's I think such a great learning for me right now as I'm having this conversation, which is which is really really beautiful. Thanks. I um, I, you know, what I realized when you were saying it is, yeah, we are connected to our higher self, and your listeners are because these are searchers. These are people that that are looking for that spiritual side of life. We also need to remember that not everyone is there yet. You know, we're in different paths of uh, the enlightenment path has many different points. And I often expect, I love talking to you because I know we start already from a common understanding. 
but many people aren't there. And there's a lot of, we also have to understand we live in a world where a lot of people are lost. I like to think the way I, when I walk around and in my own life, I see that many people live lives of quiet desperation. And I would love to shake people and say, it doesn't have to be this way. If you just took the time to connect with your higher self, with your deeper self, if you took time to mute the voices outside and all the external messages and to really figure out your own knowingness, what it is that you're here for, what it is that you want, life would go so much better for so many people. But we also can't interject our knowingness into other people's journey. It is for them to figure out if they're ready. Great. So people who listen to you when we talk, those are our people. I'm really excited to be among those people. It's such an honor and a treat to be talking in an audience or amongst an audience that is seeking spiritual enlightenment and wholeness because we have to remember that a lot of the world still isn't. Absolutely. So Jesse, I want to, you know, take a little bit of a back step here and, uh, you know, go back to the story because you come from Soviet Union and, uh, you know, and, and also because of which you also had to change your name because you were struggling with the identity when you were actor or, you know, trying to make your career in acting. And then, you know, you heard a lot of things like this has to be a certain way. You, you should look a certain way. Your body has to be a certain way. Right. And, and the perfectionism, right. You know, how much that, you know, this is what perfect means and, you know, the way it's defined and it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of, a uh, lot of us. Right. So yeah. What is it that you discovered from Tao Te Ching, you know, about, dealing with perfection. And I, I got to tell you, when you say perfectionism, a lot of things are, a lot of the antennas get, so yes, the Soviet Union itself was a very achievement-based culture. I think a lot of us are born into an achievement-based culture where our parents want us to achieve things, our society wants us to achieve things. So there's a lot to live up to from that arena. And then coming to America, as an immigrant trying hard to achieve the American dream. There's a lot of pressure from that as well. And then of course, I had to go out there into the biggest pressure cooker, which was Hollywood. And that's where I wanted to succeed. And I had my moments and I did stuff. But the thing that I discovered in Hollywood, and I think a lot of even the biggest celebrities suffer from this because the way it is built, the way it's never enough. Nothing is ever enough. There's no point you reach when you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm perfect. It's all good. And so this constant need for more to look better, to be more fit, to get better parts, to get more money, and it all goes on and on. So this perfectionism actually kills people. That's the truth. People buckle under the weight of these pressures. You could say that a lot of them are put, we put on ourselves, but really it's societal too. That's why I say, and don't just sit there, do nothing, that it is so important to block out the voices outside ourselves and connect within. Because when you block out those voices that tell you, this is what you need to look like, this is how much you need to weigh, when you can block that out, all of a sudden you get your power back. Your power lives within you, not based on how somebody else judges you. And it took me a while. I was um, almost 30 when I, I was right around 30, when I threw in the towel on the whole Hollywood pursuit, I because I realized, and I'm not saying that that's what you should do if you want to be an actor. I'm just saying that it was a lot for me to try and be a whole person 
in a world which constantly put you into boxes. And so I left that world and I decided to come back to myself and as messy of a life and imperfect of a life as I was to have, I decided that was better than trying to play some part. You also forget a lot of times, like, am I acting? And this is not just for actors. Am I acting or am I being myself? What masks am I wearing and for whom? A lot of times we're the person our mom or our dad want us to be. We're the person that our society deems, you know, to be the successful person. So it's a lot of like turning all of that crap off and going within and connecting with yourself. It's really interesting you say that because when I was really trying to look at how I'm trying to express myself out in the world and how I'm constantly pushing myself to be more of myself and it turns out the more I'm expressing who I am in the world, the less fear I have of being judged. And uh, because, you know, the more I'm trying to become like someone else, and I have this fear that, you know, what people will think of it. But when I'm being myself, like absolutely myself and expressing out, and, you know, it's, it's all, 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 you know, also the constant journey where I'm trying to push my own comfort level of being more and more vulnerable right, where I'm just trying to express who I am to the best of my ability. And it turns out that, hey, you know what, this is me. And I'm not uh, scared of what you really think of me, because I get to express who I am fully. And I'm not trying to, as you said, right, trying to act, I'm trying to live uh, for that matter. And this is a very recent realization, by the way, that I had. And it's very, very interesting that you say that. Yes. And I heard that in your episode that I listened to before I came on this in one of your lessons. I love that. And the way you put it is so true. Look, someone's always going to judge you. That's the truth. When you put yourself out there, uh, Brene Brown, a great, you know, modern philosopher, I guess you would, you can call her. She's this great speaker and a big fighter for vulnerability. She calls herself the queen of vulnerability. She says, when you're in the arena, when you're out there doing your thing, all of the people watching, yeah, some people are going to judge, but don't listen to anyone who's not in the arena with you. It doesn't matter. You're out there in the arena. You're putting your true authentic self forward. Of course, people are going to judge. We, And you're right, though, when you're being fully yourself, who cares? Because when people judge you, it's out of a place of fear. They're not judging you. It's just an expression of their own fear. It's something that maybe you show that maybe they secretly want to do too and don't. Or maybe it's something that triggers another part of themselves. What I'm saying, the reason I say who cares is because it's never about you anyway. Whatever other people judge are about themselves. And we all do. It's fine. We all judge. Who cares? Absolutely. So Jesse, you were talking about never enough. And with, you know, the whole social media and, you know, everything that we are surrounded with and where, you know, we have... 40 under 40, 30 under 30. And I'm wondering like, there's going to be 20 under 20 and 10 under 10. And, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the people to do more, achieve more. And, you know, and there is honestly, like, as you said, there is no end to it, right? So how do you find that balance? And it's more of, I guess, it's more of an internal balance that you need to find than anything else where you need to know like, hey, this is what I need. What maybe Jesse need is not necessarily, you know, what I need and the vice versa, right? So how do we find that balance of saying that, hey, you know what, this is what I want and what someone else wanted, what they are chasing with all the 
you know, enormous amount of pressure on them, not necessarily is for me. And it, it's often the blurry line of uh, making that distinction and saying that, hey, you know what this person is chasing? And maybe I also need, need that because someone else is chasing for that so desperately. And I think, you know, if the person is, and often it, it's that, right? Because if someone is chasing so desperately, then it has to be something I might be right. missing. Right, right. And, you know, uh, keeping up with the Joneses is another aspect of that. Just trying, you know, because I live in the suburbs and with the kids, you think like, well, if they're doing this, if they got this for their kids, then I need to get this for my kids or if whatever it is, whatever. We're always right. So when it comes to success, like always wanting more, like you were saying, 30 under 30, 20 into 20, not yet, but one day. Uh, there's a there's a verse in the Tao that I love that says, success is as dangerous as failure. And it tells us to always keep our feet on the ground. What is success in our modern world? It is just a judgment society puts on something you do. You have to define your own success. When you define your own success, it's not going to knock you down. But when you're waiting for, okay, I made partner as an example, or I, whatever it is, it's an external accolade. And when you're basing your self-esteem or you're basing your happiness in your life on external things, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's what the Tao teaches us. That's why success is as dangerous as failure. If you are basing your life on external judgments, you know, if it's going to be a positive, there's also also going to be a negative. That's just the law of life. So to me, all of this means is, again, don't just sit there and do nothing. And by the way, that's a, obviously a paradoxical phrase. Sometimes people ask me like, well, you can't get anything done in life if you do nothing. My point is you have to remove yourself from the world sometimes, the physical world that we live in, that busy, busy world you talk about. I mean, you need to just shut off all those voices and all those messages that are coming from other people. What are they doing? What are they getting? If they're doing this, I should be doing this. That's natural. That's human nature. We see someone else like really killing themselves for something. We think we must, or, you know, people stand in line for a certain sneaker as an example. Well, then I got to do the same way. This is just human nature. It's fine. You don't have to judge our silly childlike human nature. We all have that in it. In us, what we need to do is pause and connect with our higher nature. And when we do that, we write our own story. Um, I love this other idea that I heard that most of us live our lives as carbon copies. Carbon copies of maybe what our family is or what the neighbors are, what we're worthy of being an original. We have enough information, knowledge, power within ourselves to write our own story and to create our own perfect life. Perfect in quotation, of course, our own life that's perfect for us, I should say. And the only way you could do that is by connecting with your inner knowledge and not watching what everyone else is doing. Absolutely. Possibly this is the most beautiful definition of love that I have, uh, you know, uh, encountered, you know, on your book again, which I want to read a bit of it. And then, you know, I would like for you to explain this for my listeners. To have without possessing is the true definition of love. To open your arms when they need you and to release them when they don't need. This... I would love to take the credit. Thank you. Thank you for reading that. Nothing is greater than having your own words read back to you. <laughs> um, but 
I would love to take credit for that. But the truth is, that's, an, again, another teaching that I learned from the Tao Te Ching. This idea that controlling is not love. Trying to control. And the quote you read, I believe that I was talking about parenthood in that specific uh, area of the book. Of course, it relates to all love relationships, all relationships of with a loved one. But it was you know, as a mom of two girls, I have to say that they have been my greatest teachers because I've never loved anything or anyone to the degree that I love them. And I've never had to not be in control of something as much as I need to sometimes remove myself. What I see is what I've realized as a parent is your kids come in with entire personalities, with entire souls, you know, and I say somewhere in the book, they come with their souls fully loaded. And I think that we've been raised in previous generations to think that we shape our children. We know we shape them with certain education and, you know, but the truth is they're pretty shaped. Sure. It is our job to teach them how to live in this physical imperfect world. But as far as making them who they are, that's, that's not our job. The truth is they are, they are, big personalities, big people, they have big thoughts. And the hardest lesson in all of this for me is understanding that my job is whatever the moment is needed. So when they're babies, when they're first born, you're needed like 24 seven. And I actually, that was a really interesting spiritual practice for me because I felt like I was just in service of another completely. I had disappeared. I had become in service I used to call my firstborn, Charlie, I used to call her my Buddha because she was this fat little baby and I was almost 100% of my time was in service of her. And it was a beautiful and exhausting thing. But, and I think at that moment, I didn't realize because I was just starting on the journey of parenthood that that is very short-lived. And that's what I would tell, I, when I see a parent, when I see a tired mom with a baby, I always say that. It's very short. Don't worry. It's very short. <laughs> Enjoy it. And you know, people would say that to me. They would stop me in like CVS or whatever in the in the grocery store and they'd say, Oh my God, it goes so fast. Enjoy it. And I would roll my eyes, not not outwardly. I would say thank you, but inside my head be like, whatever. It's you know, the truth is it is the biggest truth. It is so short that period when you're needed 24-7. And so the hardest thing has been letting go, letting go, and more letting go and more letting go. I never wanted to operate from a place of fear. They're, my kids are big risk takers physically. They're really, they're gymnasts, they're climbers, and it's freaking scary <laughs> for a mom. And, uh, you know, probably scarier for grandparents when I see my parents get freaked out. But I think the real lesson here is stepping back, stepping back, stepping back. But then you have to be ready when they come because, you know what? A child always needs their mother. As long as I'm alive, they're going to need me. So, I have to be there when, when they come and I have to let them go and do their thing. It's challenging because the, our natural inclination is to protect our kids from everything. Protect, always protect. To give them the best of everything, protect them from everything. But of course, as you and I know, we don't grow in life from being protected from everything. We grow from experiencing our own steps and falls. And in learning that from my kids, I've been able to apply that to other relationships. I've like lowered my expectations so much of friends, for example. 
I love my friends, but I expect nothing from them. I expect nothing from people and everything from the universe and the universe always delivers. That's a something I wrote in the book because it's true. Individuals will fail you sometimes. It's okay. They're on their journey, but you keep the faith in the larger picture. So Jesse, is it really that easy to give up on the expectations from people? So it's a constant, that's a great question because then I don't expect myself to be that. <laughs> I would encourage others not to have those kind of expectations for themselves. So you're saying, is it easy to not expect from others? You know what? It's even harder to not ex- to expect, to not have such high expectations for yourself. And I struggle with that more than anything. I think that a lot of us perfectionists do. <laughs> I I can let other people off the hook much easier than I generally let myself off the hook. And especially because I know so much now. I know how to be you know a spiritually aligned person in the world and yet I still f up all the time. <laughs> Excuse my language, but I do and it's just part of being human and imperfect. And so I always say oh, for a lot of us may we be as kind to ourselves as we are to other people that's the truth if we can just start with ourselves and let ourselves off the hook if you are not holding yourself up to some insane expectations and when you fail you say that's okay that's all right i failed i will do better next time i'll learn from this if you could do that for yourself then sure you could do that for other people and when you're not and when other people really trigger you and you get really upset then you think back and you say maybe i'm too hard on myself that's what it all comes back to mm. Mm. and i can so relate with that because uh, you know for me as well um obviously it took a while to let go of expectations from people and i want you know as you said it's uh, it's always the work in progress but i am at the place where um you know and and the realization that you know what matters to me the most is the mental peace over anything and that's one of the you know uh, one of the core lessons that i've learned and i try and live with right so if it and i don't know who this comes from but if it cost you peace then it's not worth it and that has been a very very important uh you know lesson that i cannot try and live with and when i had that understanding that what's more important for me is my inner peace then letting go of someone else's expect, expectation you know expectation from other was very very easy for me and even if someone was not living up to that expectation then you know it, it wouldn't you know feel that bad but as you said right you know the the place where i guess i'm still struggling is uh, exactly what you said you are struggling with is like you know letting go of expectation from myself because it's so damn tough not to you know um i don't know like why that is because maybe you know what you are capable of and as you said like you have a lot of knowledge you have this wisdom i do have all this knowledge wisdom and i know that i have these capabilities and yet i'm not able to you know live up to the expectation that i have and i i think that that's the honestly the struggle uh, for me as well but thanks for being honest uh, you know jessie here and for everyone here because jessie has written a book uh, you know does not mean she's perfect and does not mean she yeah. has you know mastered it all and we are yeah. all on this journey together right so thanks for being honest here Oh, always because the last thing I ever want is to confuse myself into thinking I'm some sort of perfect. Because <laughs> again, success is as dangerous as failure. You're setting yourself up for a fall then. It's an ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows, right? 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, one thing that you said earlier was giving the power to someone else. And, uh, and we were talking about the love and relationship. And often we see a lot of people in the love and relationship, they give power to their loved person because, you know, for whatever reason, right? Because they love the person so much. And, uh, uh, and maybe, you know, the fear of losing the person, they tend to give the power to the other person and where they, you know, somewhere feel empty. So how can you, uh, still value it yourself and keep the relationship stronger and yet, uh, you know, uh, value yourself? I think a lot of uh, what we expect from love also comes not from our internal connection with ourselves, but it comes from the things, the stories we've been told. And they're beautiful stories and they're entertaining. I love rom-com so much. <laughs> I grew up on all the romantic comedies and I, those were my dreams as well. And I wouldn't say they didn't come true. They did. You know, there's, there's a quote I love, and I have no idea who said this one, but the greatest love story is your own. It is true. When you're falling in love, when things are actually for once working out, it is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful time in our lives. It's euphoric. And I think where we get confused is with everything that comes after. <laughs> but all of life comes after. And unfortunately, that euphoric feeling is short-lived. It's supposed to be. That's how, you know... So some people run around constantly looking for that euphoric feeling. So they go from relationship to relationship to relationship and they're married many times and that's what they do. That's fine. Others lose themselves, like you said, and serve the relationship, want to serve the relationship so much that they forget their own needs. And you know what? I did that also. We, I think that probably most of us, I don't want to I don't want to speak for the male population but I think almost all women do that because we've been taught to do that in some ways and you know what probably the good guys too because we want the love to last and so we start to do more of what the other person would want from us and we start to compromise ourselves little by little and that's all fine and the falling in love period I I don't think it's unnatural I think it's okay what I think is not fine is when you get stuck in that and really, and unfortunately I see this all the time and I see this in men and women. I know people who have sacrificed what I would think is too much of themselves for the relationship. And the way we not do that is the same way is the same answer as everything else. It's to connect with the higher self, the higher power. It's to make time for yourself outside of the relationship where you sit with yourself and you connect with yourself and see what you need. And yes, relationships say compromise. So you have to figure out for yourself what you're willing to compromise and what you're not. And that's a very individual journey and it changes. That's the other challenge in relationships. Human beings are always changing. Change is life. And so where you are when you get started is not where you are years later. And you have to either accept each other as your changing selves or not. And there's no way for a relationship to continue if you have a static vision of another person and they have a static vision of you. So it's this understanding that you're always evolving and giving each other the room to evolve. And, and I, I love what you said, just what you said earlier that nothing that costs my inner peace is worth it. Even not a marriage, honestly, even not a relationship. You can always try and communicate and work towards a place where you can still have inner peace. But if that's not sustainable, then I say go. 
Um, so, uh, you know, Jesse, you said there are 81 verses on Tao. Which one is your personal favorite? Which one is that you find yourself going back to over and over again where, you know, you, you find self-doubt creeping in, where you feel that, you know, you are not feeling yourself, where you are in doubt, which is the one that you are often, that you often find yourself going back to over and over again. You know, I'm so glad you asked. I have this, I have my book right here. So I opened up to it right away. So I, my favorite, if I had to pick one, it would be verse eight. And verse eight, it says, the supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. So one of the versions says the supreme good is like water. The other version says be like water. It's basically this idea of be like water. And I think it's something, it's a phrase we've all heard. It all goes on to say, and it ends with when you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. So again, there's many different translations. The one in my book is an amalgam of various ones because I wanted to bring in a little bit of, I didn't want my own bias to say like, this is the best translation. So I brought a, a couple of different ones. But the basic teaching of verse eight is, be like water. And I come back to that time. Yep. Time and time again. So that's a famous Bruce Lee quote. Uh, also, he, he said, be like water, water. But when, when you pour water into a cup, it becomes the cup. When you pour it into a teacup, it be, when you pour it into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. Water can flow and it can crash. Be like water, my friend. To me, it's this idea of, that we just talked about of constant change, constant becoming. You are never there, wherever there is. You are constantly becoming and flowing. And the better you can flow, not get rigid, the more you can flow with life, the easier time you're going to have and the more you can enjoy the gifts of life. That's so beautiful. And I, when I read that on your book about be like water, and that was such a beautiful uh, thing to remind yourself of where you are, you know, it's, you, you are dancing with what's, uh, you know, what's coming your way, right? So uh, you are going through all the ups and downs and you are still, you know, flowing and you are still moving and taking the shape as required. And you, uh, and which also is like, you know, maybe don't make yourself too resist. Don't make yourself that, you know, what this is what I am because, and, you know, I realized the definition of I am, like what I am, is also constant change, constantly changing and evolving with the period of time, right? So what, you and I think what we are today is not going to be the same of what we think you and I are uh, maybe in, you know, five years or three years or maybe five months from now. Right. Right. That's true. And you know, the other part of that verse that I really love about what it's like to be like water is it says water is content with the low places that people disdain. Uh, There's another, another translation. See, I I have a lot of them. (laughs) I did my research. (laughs) I have a lot of now translations, but There's another one that talks about water doesn't judge. This idea that water gives itself to everything, right? Water goes to the low places. Water is a nourisher. It gives itself wherever it goes. And this is what I aspire to. I can't say that I always do it, but this idea of water gives to the kind, water gives to the not kind. It just gives. It just, water just is water, there's nobody else that's going to come along and turn water into not water. If you are kindness, if you are light, nothing and no one can 
take that away from you or change you because that is who you are. That's amazing. Uh, Jesse, we are coming towards the end of this. But before I ask you that question, I want to quickly uh, ask about the book that, you know, that is coming up. And I think it's releasing on March 2022, right? Yep. March 1st. Yeah. 1st March 2022. Um, so the book is Don't Just Sit There. Do Nothing. Heal, Chilling and Living Without Etching. Uh, tell us a little more about this book uh, and uh, before you say that, what I loved about, um, you know, the book and also what you have evident in the message that you're trying to share is do your Tao. Well, these are the, you know, lessons that you can derive from the book and from your understanding and from other people generally, even if it's not like lessons from Tao, but also make your own Tao, which means, uh, you know, you create your own version of definition of it and see what works for you, which is very beautiful, by the way. And it is uh, essentially the accent step. Uh, at the end of every single, uh, you know, chapter of your book. So tell us what the book is all about. Uh, and obviously, the people who are found inside in this episode are going to find a lot of wisdom in that book, which I uh, is, you know, I already told you just in the beginning of this is introduction of Tao uh, principles in my life. So I'm going to go down the rabbit hole now because, you know, all of a sudden I feel like, oh my God, there's a lot of wisdom to explore, a lot of things to uh, learn. So uh, for the people listening, what the book is all about, why should they pick up and, uh, you know, and yeah. And by the way, it's available for pre-orders as well. So nobody has to wait. <laughs> you can go uh, get it, whatever, whenever you hear this, whenever this is out. Um, but uh, for me, the truth is this book is about how I changed my life and the principles that changed my life. And I fully believe it is a life-changing book especially for folks that are struggling. If you're not struggling and you're just learning the way you and I learned that we're always soaking up the spiritual knowledge, then you'll love it because, because there's always more information. And for, but for people who are struggling, I know this can change their life because this is what changed mine. The Tao Te Ching changed mine. The different, there's a book that I read about the Tao Te Ching years ago by a teacher named Wayne Dyer, a spiritual philosopher. And his book on the Tao was called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. I, I believe this 100% that the Tao, it works very softly on the way you think and perceive everything out there. And when you shift your perception, you do in fact shift your life. And so my book is the first interpretation of the Tao by a modern female. And it comes out on March 1st and March 1st in America is Women's History Month. And there's some importance in that because the Tao Te Ching has been translated and dug into many, many times. The business leaders used to use it. It's very potent. It's not like it's just for love, as an example. You know, it's a, it, it has lots of information. But I wanted to take it. I happen to be in this lifetime, a woman, a mother, and I wanted to take it and dissect it from the point of view of a modern woman and how it has served me and continues to serve me. That is not to say that it can't serve a male, as you know, and you've looked at it. It is a softer interpretation. And I didn't want to knock people over the head with like, this is what it is. And this is what you have to do. That is very not in line with the doubt, in my opinion. And so what it is, is it's a soft teaching. It's a soft teaching of principles that will change your life if you let them. Even if the changes are small, 
and you will perceive them over time. These are small ways to ease into your life. What it will for sure do if you let it is bring ease into your life. You don't have to struggle as hard as you've been struggling. And so that's the do your Tao section at the end of each chapter is an offering. It's something that can speak to you or it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Some of them for sure will. All of them probably won't. These are exercises. You try it. And if it's something that works for you, you keep it. That's how I think about spiritual teachings. You try and you keep what works. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of having, uh, you know, um, access to the book early on. And I just finished, you know, I'm, I won't say finished. I'm um, a little over halfway of the book and I'm loving, uh, you know, the, the concepts and, uh, you know, the way you have written the book. It's simple, yet very, very profound. And some of the things, you know, that I brought up in these conversations, right, you know, really stuck with me and, and in some that reinforced, uh, you know, my own way of thinking and, you know, how I have been kind of showing up in the world, which is, which is very beautiful. Uh, Jesse, I link up the book on the description of this episode for everyone interested. Click on that and you can grab the, you know, pre-order the book. And uh, also I link up all the social media handles for Jesse if you want to get in touch with her and, you know, continue this conversation uh, with Jesse if you want. Uh, you know, more clarity, if you want more answers, if you want to follow what she's up to, then I'll link all of that on the description of this episode. So Jesse, here's the last question. Imagine you are standing on a stadium and this is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions and millions of people eagerly and passionately waiting to listen to you. And you have been given only one minute of time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life, what would be your message? I would say you already are what you are seeking. Everything you need already exists within you. And all you need to do is connect with the greater you, with the greater power that resides within. You take the time to do that. You trust that power and all good things will happen. Everything you have ever wanted is within you. Thank you so much, Jesse. It has been such a great conversation with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can find the show notes at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash one, two, six. If you would like to share the feedback of this show or just want to say hi to me, you can send me a voice note by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash speak. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K, speak. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. Inspiring.